Welcome back, everybody. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. We have another awesome episode for you guys this week as I get to sit down and talk with Ryan, uh, the owner of Ben Franklin Range in Pennsylvania, which is, if you guys haven't listened to the last couple episodes, that's where the team and I were able to, I say the team, it, it was me and, and some friends and you know Josh is involved and it sounds very official to call us the team. But at any rate, we went out to Ben Franklin Range, the Human Trafficking Awareness Range Day event put on by my friend Dylan. Uh, that's where this was hosted, was at the Ben Franklin Range. So I was able to connect with Ryan very, very briefly when I was in Pennsylvania and then follow up with him. You know, uh, in the age of technology here, it's just a couple clicks away at the keyboard. So send him a message and able to set this up to uh, have a chat about everything that goes into owning and operating and running a facility like that, in addition to, you know, maintaining his daily life, uh, you know, his, his other job, his day job in law enforcement and things like that. So it uh, should be a really, really good discussion. Um, there's a lot going on to talk about, you know, aside from from my, my conversation with Ryan this week, we are still monitoring the situation over in Israel the Israeli-Hamas war, or Israel versus Hamas war. I don't really know what exactly to call it. <clears throat> that continues to go on. And, you know, like I said when I did our, our sit-rep episode, I, I imagine it'll be going for, for quite some time. And I, I did let you guys know that we would be trying our best to keep up with it and keep our ear to the ground, I think was the phrase I used. And uh, we are. We are. Uh, one of the things I'd like to point out, though, is if you guys were paying attention to the news, I know a lot of you guys are very savvy that way, so you probably were. Uh, but if you look at everything that went on over this past weekend in Minnesota, I believe it was Minneapolis specifically, but the gigantic amounts of protesting and things that were going on there. Now, why does this matter? Because if you recall, just a few years ago, three years ago to 2020, Minneapolis, Minnesota, saw some of the most aggressive uh, quote, peaceful protesting of, uh, I believe, any city in the Union during the lockdowns, during the summer of love, during, you know, all that nonsense that went on as people were looting and burning and firebombing and just destroying everything in sight. And guys, I got to tell you, I, I believe it's uh, a reflection of the radical liberal leadership that they have in that city. And that's not to say, and please, I'd like to be clear, that is not me attacking Democrats in general. I actually share a few points of view with Democrats. I'm talking about radical liberal leadership, uh, specifically Ilhan Omar, who is one of the elected representatives and is about as anti-U.S. as it comes, while ironically also being you know, in an elected position to govern and lead our country. Uh, she, along with Rashida Tlaib, who is a representative here in Michigan, and uh, AOC out of New York, right, uh, what do they call them, like the squad or whatever? It's so dumb. They have like a fucking gang name, name as uh, elected representatives. Uh, but at any rate, you know, this is the kind of radical behavior that you get from something like that. Supporting the right to protest is one thing. Supporting a a cause different from that of your government because of your own opinions and life experiences, that's also okay. But the radical call to violence and the condoning of the violence uh, especially when, like, this isn't even an issue here stateside in America. It's just not. Like, the war is literally being fought in another country halfway around the globe. So why we're seeing the giant protests here, I... Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I really don't understand. Like, support whichever side of this that you would like to. 
I just don't understand why we are seeing mass protests here in the U.S. and why we're seeing, you know, violence, uh, people attacking other people, uh, just all kinds of just gruesome, nasty shit going on. There is uh, a lot there, you know, and uh, again, we're going to we're going to keep paying attention to it. But I urge you guys all to, <clears throat> you know, pay attention, but also be uh, aware. We talk about personal awareness and situational awareness all the time. It just makes good, good sense. But make sure you, when you leave the house, even for the little things you're carrying, make sure you have medical. Seek out training with these things. Maybe even go through a refresher on your concealed carry laws in your state. If you're in a, a populated area that has that that you know maybe local law enforcement has put out a notice or put out a warning that they are concerned that things might be happening at. Uh, happening, happening at certain religious sites or something. I don't know. Do your research and be aware of what's going on in your area of operation, your home, your neighborhood, your city, whatever term you want to use. But pay attention out there and be, you know, tuned into what's going on and have the both a the skills, but b the hardware and gear, right, to be effective at keeping yourself and possibly your family safe. A firearm isn't always enough. Medical isn't always enough. Sometimes, you know, having your wits about you. We just talked about this with Chance in uh, an episode on on vehicular combatives. And sometimes, you know, just driving away is your best option. Well, okay, if you get to that that moment and you freeze, you allow yourself to be consumed by that situation and some really bad things can happen. But, you know, uh, I, I urge everybody, please just, you know, if your wife has her, her license to carry and doesn't like leaving the house with a gun for some reason... Or, or whatever have you, right? Just take the little extra efforts right now as we're seeing some, uh, it's some, it, it's pretty uh, concerning behavior across the nation in some pretty uh, hot areas, I will say. But getting back to it, <clears throat> we had a pretty badass episode this week. I've actually been looking forward to this because truthfully, this is something that we've never really talked about on this podcast is being able to get into the discussion of what is really been a lot of people's, I, I will say, fantasies or or dreams or goals right down the line. A lot of people, especially here in Michigan, they will talk about moving out to less populated parts of town, uh, less populated cities where, where property is more spread out. Oh, I'd love to move out and get some place where I can shoot. I would love to buy a piece of property and open up a range. Now, we did have uh, Thomas Baker, I mean, this is tons and tons of episodes ago, years ago now at this point, who actually opened up Cross Rifles Ranch out in, I believe it's it's Wyoming, and so he actually made the dream work, but a lot of people fantasize about this. Oh, I would love to open up a facility. I would love to open up a range. I would love to buy a bunch of land and do all this stuff, and I don't know how realistic it is for everybody. Obviously, not everyone can do it, but B, there's, there is a ton that goes into running any business that people don't see. It's all glamorous. It's all fun. It's all games. And, you know, it, there's probably a lot of positives and you get good feeling from, you know, watching responsible citizens, uh, take advantage of the facility for training and things like that. You know, I assume, right. I'm sure Ryan will, will, will have lots to say about that, but it, it's, it's something everybody talks about. Very few people actually follow through and do. And if you guys have never been to Ben Franklin range, it is a very impressive facility. Uh, it, it offers a whole lot aside from just the uh, the ability to to go shoot, utilize the shoot house or the long range course. You know they they do off roading events there. They have jeep events. They uh, held the four one one range day there with a lot of different vendors and things like that. So really really cool piece of property. 
And like I said, I'm really looking forward to being able to dig into this and and really just learn, understand what goes into this. You know, people, a lot of people say, oh, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? Well, there's always a reason why certain ranges do or don't have things or hell, maybe they're just some really smart individuals. And that's why Ben Franklin is set up the way they are and why I believe they'll, you know, be positioned for some really, really successful years to come because they've gone the extra step and and done the extra work and listened to what people have to say. But uh, before I get into that, before we get over to my conversation for this week's episode, right, we have some pretty badass supporters here on our Patreon. I want to say thank you to them. And if you guys are listening, guys, you can head on over our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. And you can check out everything we got going on. There's videos I just posted in the last uh, week and a half here, uh, a new drill and a blog post that goes with it and kind of ties it back to everything that we had with our discussion with chance and vehicular combatives and why that particular drill might make sense for that 1% chance that you actually have to deploy things like a carbine from your vehicle. Uh, also have a target and some drills and things like that. And and that's in addition to all the other stuff we have up there, right? We got long form videos that Josh and I have been working on um, and more to come on that because we've, we've gotten some really good ideas from some of our patrons, you know, asking for us to, to do some of that content and produce that material for you guys. So they have an idea of what they can do and what they can expect out of their own personal capability. But every, every bit of that support goes a whole hell of a long way to help us do what we do here. And the Patreon support was pivotal in helping get us out to Ben Franklin for the HTA event when we went uh, in September. I keep saying last month and actually it is last month. Yeah. And not for much longer, but yeah, it was last month. So shout out to all of our Patreon patrons. And also you guys make sure you're checking our Instagram link tree because we are now a, you know, getting our videos up on, or I should say our episodes videos are soon to come on our YouTube channel. We're doing that. We're migrating over to that platform uh, and expanding. We also have a storefront. So if you guys want to pick up a t-shirt, a hoodie, a mug or something, we got some pretty cool branded content, branded merchandise, I should say, out there and available through Spreadshop. And uh, that was a real learning curve, something we've been working on for a while. But you guys can head over to that site. We get a very small piece of anything there. We wanted to make sure we had the prices set as low as we could so that you guys can just get some access to some cool merch. We get a buck or two kicked back on the sales and a couple bucks, whatever it is. And you guys can, you know, rep the gear, rep the slogans, things like that. And uh, all is well. But in addition to that, have to say thank you to some really, really awesome partners that we have. And guys, we really, really appreciate our sponsors, our partners that we work with in the industry space, because it really is, it's a partnership for us. We want to make sure that we are bringing the information and the names, right, of some very reputable companies to all of you so you can make really well-informed decisions and choices. With that, huge shout-out to Custom Night Vision. You guys, their website is customnightvision.com, or you may also know them as Kosher Surplus. A lot of guys know that name. They've ordered a lot of ammo through the years, over the years, right, through Kosher Surplus. But Custom Night Vision is doing an outstanding job creating a transparent night vision purchasing experience for those of you out there that are looking to either get into your first tube or tubes, uh, or you're looking to get out of a tube and into a pair of binoculars, uh, or even just go from something like a Fatanis tube, something very entry level by comparison, up to some L3 aviation grade stuff that is just, you know, chef's kiss, you know, just top tier night vision. <laughs> and let me tell you guys, custom night vision has it all covered regardless of what you're looking for. 
white phosphor, green phosphor. I say this every time because this really is one of the best features about the site is they have a built-in chat function. So if you guys need somebody to talk to, if you need somebody to ask questions and bounce you know, your concerns off of, the team at Custom is there to help address those questions and get you all squared away, whether you're looking for your first two, maybe it's just a very budget setup like a green phosphor PVS-14 or a Tonto housing from Nocturne, right? Something single tube, something budget friendly so you can just get out there and get the training and then maybe you're coming back around, right? Maybe you have that and you are looking at getting into some white phosphor binos like the 1431s with some great Elbit pH tubes from 2000 FOM and above. Uh, you know, tubes that they sent out to me. Guys, they have a ton of stuff in stock. And actually, everything you see on that site is in stock. If it's listed there, if you can pick it, if you can see the images of the tubes, the previews, it is in stock. And once you purchase it, it's going to be a day or two, and then it's going to be at your doorstep. There's no lead times. There's no wait. There's no, you know, stewing and brooding and sitting there drooling all over yourself, waiting for your night visitor to show up. You pay for it. Day or two later, it is all yours. You can slap it on your helmet and you are good to go goon with your friends. Guys, head on over to customnightvision.com and check out all the great stuff they have for you. Thank you as well, big time, to our friends over at HRT Tactical Gear. Guys, I've been running their LBAC plate carrier and I have been running their, now the last few weeks here, their ARC belt. Both of these really, really surprised me as I wasn't sure I was going to love them. I'll be honest. I've been telling Chris at HRT, Hey man, I, you know, I thought the LBAC was overbuilt. I thought it was overdesigned. I was very intimidated when I was looking at the specs, waiting for mine to come in. And as soon as I got it sized up, which it took a little bit of work, you know, to get it sized correctly, but it has been incredibly comfortable. I've worn it through classes. I've worn it through training sessions for hours and hours on end. Absolutely no complaints and no problems whatsoever. I, definitely recommend this carrier. Super, super comfortable. The arc belt is very light. They've done wonderful things with their uh, U-shaped design or smile-shaped design to the belt. Ultra light, ultra comfortable. I was out on the range for about four hours this past weekend with Josh. It didn't fall off, obviously. No problems. It was great. I absolutely love it with their angled mag pouches. You guys can head on over to hrttacticalgear.com, check out all the good stuff they have going on, and pick some nylon gear up for yourself today. Next up, huge, big thank you to these guys over at 100 Concepts, all right? I talk to Jonah all the time, but also a huge shout out to Garrett and Pierce, the whole team there at 100. They make some absolutely awesome products, you guys. You've probably heard of their light caps, and if you've heard of the light caps, maybe you've also heard of their scope caps. They are super cost-effective solutions to things like glare and reflection. They're going to help you address your camouflage needs out in the field. And let's be honest, you should be thinking about camouflage pretty much always. It needs to be at the forefront of your mind when you're building out your rifle and addressing your kit. They just released their newest updated version of the sling hook so that when you're out there rucking and you're carrying that rifle, you don't get that nasty-ass raw spot on the side of your neck from your sling moving back and forth. Their hex cap lineup is sick. I run one on my RMR. It's offset on my, I don't want to say recce rifle, so I'm not going to, uh, but I run them on my RMR. They have their scope cap pros that they actually hooked all of our Patreon patrons up with when they released those last month. Guys, 100 Concepts is doing some really, really incredible work. I cannot recommend enough that you guys head on over to 100concepts.com. Pick yourself up some gear, and if whatever you're looking for by chance, if it's not in stock, head on over to TRX Arms, head on over to Big Tech's Ordnance. They both also carry all the gear 
from 100 Concepts. These guys are killing it. Their motto is do good, be dangerous, live free. Head over to the website and check it out for yourself. And last but certainly not least, thank you to LARP Labs. Guys, if you are looking at the weather changing out your window every day, things getting a little bit colder, a little bit browner, a little bit grayer, head over to LARP Labs, man. LARPLabs.com. You can even use discount code PREPAREDMINDSET for 10% off your order and grab some custom 3M vinyls so that as the weather changes, you're not breaking out that rattle can. You're not painting your gun white and brown and gray. You can just throw on some of these awesome 3M vinyls that they make, cover your optics, cover your lasers. Guys, I get it. It's expensive. Sometimes even you don't even want to spray paint some of those optics. I get it. We spend a ton of money. Or some companies actually void your warranty when you spray paint them. This is where LARP Labs comes in. You guys, again, head on over to LARPLabs.com. Check out the entire catalog. They have everything you guys need, whether it's M81, you know, Tropic, Alpine, uh, you know, Ranger Green, just flat green, right? Multicam. They have all the colors and patterns you're looking for, and even some that aren't listed there. So if you need something extra special, maybe a little tiger stripe in your life, shoot them an email, let them know what you're looking for. John and team will take good care of you. Again, discount code prepared mindset for 10% off your order. And seriously, uh, thank you guys. Uh, you know, our, our those companies, their, their support is very critical to our success here. And I highly urge all you guys to go check out those sites and maybe just keep your eyes on them. You know, we are about a month out from Black Friday when a lot of people aim to not only get some Christmas shopping done, but grab themselves some pretty sick gear. So if you're in the market for anything that we just talked about, whether it's night vision or a plate carrier or anything else, I know those companies are going to have some pretty good specials going on through the whole holiday season. So worth it to keep in the back of your mind and uh, check on in at the websites. But Again, for the third time now, uh, Ryan, my guest this week, he's the, uh, one of the owners and operators. I believe he's one of the owners to clarify with him when we talk, but, uh, uh, Ben Franklin range. And I say that because, man, I sound like a fool because there are multiple owners, not because he's not a owner, just so you guys understand what I'm trying to communicate here as I'm finishing a work day and trying to collect all my thoughts before jumping into this conversation. Uh, but it should be a good one. Uh, like I said, I think it's something that we all are interested in and everybody has had that fantasy has had that dream of, of owning their own shooting space. And, uh, we're just going to jump on over to it. Cut straight to the chase. Here we go. Ryan, welcome to the pod, brother. Thanks for making the time, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm, I'm excited to get into this and kind of peel back the curtain a little bit on BFR. I'm excited. Yeah, no, I think that this is going to be something that a lot of people have interest in. Uh, and I, I was, I think before we started recording, I mentioned, you know, uh, in my, when I did my intro recording, uh, in my ad space, if you will, right. Everybody talks about it, right. I know at least here in Michigan, everyone's big thing is we're going to move to like, I'm going to retire and move to Northern Michigan and buy a ton of land and have, you know, room to shoot, or I'm going to, I'm going to open my own training facility. Like it's no, so it's, I'm just going to do it. Sure. There's nothing to it. Right. Uh, and anybody listening that owns their own small business or has ever tried to knows that it's never just <laughs> that easy, let alone with something like, uh, the facility, like what you guys have, which is absolutely massive. Um, yeah, we, uh, it's, it's a pretty awesome place. It's uh, about 1100, 1200 acres, depending on what day you ask me is the answer I'll give you. It's somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, the American dream, I guess, to kind of buy property, own your own business. And it's uh, so easy that everyone can do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you can, maybe you just yeah. shouldn't. Not everybody should. Right. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Right. 
Right. It's a lot uh, more fun sometimes to come visit and then leave all the problems behind you. You don't have to deal with, you know, you get to come up, take a class and leave. Uh, I miss right. those days. Uh, that, that doesn't happen for me anymore. Those days are long gone. So that's okay. Um, with, yeah. It, uh, but yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's just start with you real quick. Um, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners and just a little bit about you, and then we can get into how the heck you end up owning a, a range facility. <laughs> Yeah, so um, for everyone out there that doesn't know me, that's been to BFR, I kind of operate behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm a police officer. I've been in law enforcement for just shy of 10 years. Um, in those times, I've had a pretty, I would say, uh, interesting career so far for 10 years, uh, just under 10 years. Um, how this all came to be, and I'll just get to the chase, um, my uh, good friend of mine, very close friend of mine, was killed in the line of duty in 2017. And after that, I saw every kind, everybody kind of go their own way on how they're going to deal with this and how they're going to continue on and their careers and so forth, so on and so forth. Um, the first thing I did, I started to get better training because I would consider myself at that time pretty uh, untrained as far as like seeking outside training from uh, my outside agency. Mm -hmm. And in that time frame, so I started training, like I went to places like Darcy. And took uh, law enforcement counterterrorism one and two, uh, did a lot of training with other um, companies. And what kind of led me to that was there was nothing really close by in the western side of Pennsylvania. And we started looking for ranges. Initially, we were just going to do like a, uh, a warehouse with like a traditional um, shoot house and just a warehouse where we do munitions only. So we started with looking at warehouses. Yeah. Um, didn't really come to fruition because it was always like a limited space and we it was just it, it was some type of issue with every time every property we looked at was like ah this isn't the one and then we stumbled upon this property in templeton and doing some research it's been for sale i think 15 to 20 people have tried to buy it in the last 10 years and i don't even think it was lot. four or five yeah and I don't even think it was for failed financial reasons. It was um, the previous owner was a very interesting guy. He was elderly. Um, he was in the upper 80s. And I mean, I could co totally understand where he was coming from, where he would wake up one day and really want to sell it. And then the next day he wouldn't because he had so much tied to it. I get it. It's a, it's a beautiful property if you've ever been there. Um, and how he operated it was it was several mines, I believe, in the 70s. And he bought it in the early 2000s, I believe, and transformed it into an off-road park. So it, we have about 60 miles, 60 to 70 miles of maintained off-road trails. And we host like um, A-Works, which is American Wood Racing Series. And we do uh, typically one to two days a month, we open our gates uh, for off-roading, which is definitely not our primary focus of the business. However, it has such a strong root in the community that the last thing we wanted to do was kind of uproot that. And uh, for the off-roaders out there that are listening, you know that if you don't use those 60 miles of trails, they'll grow over and you'll lose them. So it's our way of kind of keeping what we have and, and expanding new trails always. Um, he uh, did end up selling it to us. Uh, February, this February will be three years that we've owned BFR. Wow. Yeah. That's um, awesome. I, I mean, and as, and it's cool because the, the, the overlanding space kind of bleeds over in a lot of what the, 
the, you know, the survival and tactical space does too. So I'm sure you guys have, and we'll get into it obviously, I hope, but like the, just the, the facility as a whole, you can do so much, uh, with those trails already having been there. And that probably saves you guys a ton of time and work, uh, having to clear out and, and, you know, make your own trails for something like that. Exactly. And what's pretty cool is our trails go from mild to wild. So if you want to bring, when we've, I've seen it, your brand new Ford Bronco off the, off the uh, showroom floor and come out to BFR, you can go on our trails without getting it scratched. But if you want to go that extra layer and hit the rock crawling trails and the hill climbs, you're more than welcome to do so. But a lot of trails are wide enough for full-size vehicles, which is really cool. Kind of unique too, especially for Western Pennsylvania. It's mostly mountains and like single track. We have a lot mm-hmm. of wider trails that allow for full-size vehicles. Yeah, no, that's uh, like, cause I think I saw that when I was looking on the website after I was out for obviously uh, the HTA event and I saw something about like the, like a Jeep rally or something. I was like, wow, that's incredible. And, and I mean, it makes complete sense, you know, having been there myself and seeing just the amount of space and how just open everything is, it makes a ton of sense. I just didn't realize that that was something you guys did. So that's, that's really cool that that's something that's, yep kind of baked into the community and has like that history and support along with everything else you guys are trying to do. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, it, it's just cool to see that many people. Cause we allow dirt bikes, quads, side by sides, Jeeps, rock crawlers, basically, um, any off-road vehicle. And it's really cool because, um, we've been kind of seeing this trend to more families riding together. So you'll see like the four seaters with like husband, wife, husband, wife, and kids, or dad's on a dirt bike and son's on a little like PW 50. So it's really cool that um, places like us and all the off-road parks are continuing to stay open because I feel like that's kind of died down lately. Like a lot of, there's not a lot of places to ride and uh, we'll always be one of those places. I don't see that going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. And so how has that been, I'm assuming there's probably some kind of balance there with trying to, I guess, leave those trails and things, I don't want to say undisturbed, but preserved, right? And then you kind of build, I would imagine, right, the the shooting areas of the facility kind of uh, around that where space is available. Was that, you know, so when you guys walked in, was that, you know, I'm assuming there's a level of planning there, right? Yeah, so one of our great friends of the facility is uh, Stiller Motorsports. He owned a Can-Am dealership about 10 minutes away from BFR. And he helped the previous owner build those trails, so he continually helps us maintain the trails, maintain the property, and kind of guides us on, hey, you could build a range here. This went to hurt the trails, um, stuff like that. So because I'll be very honest, and I don't ever want to be disingenuous. I'm not an off-roading expert. I don't even necessarily own a like, specific off-roading vehicle, even though I've taken my F-150 in some places that you wouldn't believe at BFR and gotten stuck a few times too. But um, I'm not an off-roading expert. I kind of leave that side to him, and he kind of – guides us on best decisions for the off-roading events. Well, that's a cool resource to have though. I mean, and, and honestly good on you for deferring to, I mean, to somebody who, who just knows better. I feel like there's so many stories right every year on the news of people that with stuff like that, adventure sports, right. You bite off a little more, you can chew and it's real easy to get, let it get away from you. Uh, so, I mean, it's cool that that's a resource and he's willing to help you guys out and and keep contributing to that community that you guys are, uh, you know, feeding to, and, or I should say catering to with your facility. Yeah. And another interesting thing for those that are listening that kind of wanted to do something or buy their own land, it is a heck of a lot easier to get firearms related insurance versus off-road insurance. And I believe the reasoning there is due to the alcohol and driving. Um, and that's the big, and that's the big thing. So, 
Uh, the firearms insurance was actually pretty cut and dry, but the off-road stuff is super technical. Um, just because I guess that sometimes that part of the community gets a little wild, but it is what <laughs> it is. Yeah, no, uh, I, that actually does surprise me though. Uh, cause I would, I would definitely think that anytime businesses hear the word firearm, they immediately freak out. Oh, and, yeah. uh, but I mean, I guess good, right. Cause I'm sure as you had your design for the facility, when you guys came into the purchase, right. Just right. one thing that maybe just a little bit easier, a little bit less of a headache. So, uh, when you guys, you know, you, you walked into this, right. You got the purchase, you got the land, you got the facility. Did you know going into it, what you wanted or did, did you have to kind of figure it out as you went? Cause I feel like there's, it's always easy. I feel like in our, in our minds to sit there and go, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. But then when you actually have to find ways to manifest that really make it make sense and come together, it's a totally different concept. Yeah. So there's a lot of like backstory here that I, I'll briefly touch on. Um, so before we even purchase the property, we own the shoot house, believe it or not. So oh, yeah. the history in that shoot house, it was from um, the South. And I guess the business was going out of business and we wanted it auctioned. But we had seven days to completely tear it down and transport it up to Pittsburgh. Holy so shit. That, that shoot house <laughs> sat in pallets. I think it was. I wish I had the official number. I think it was around eight to 10 semis of pieces of walls. And that sat for a good like six, eight months. And then once we purchased DFR, that was the uh, first project actually was the shoot house and, and the cement pad and then building the shoot house and then the roof. And then we went on to the flat ranges, which are now the turf ranges. And then lastly, we kind of just... I would say we're 75% done with the unknown distance. Still a few things to button up, but um, the shoot house and uh, turf ranges were actually starting to get built at the same time, just due to weather constraints. Um, lovely Western Pennsylvania. We get all four seasons. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the shoot house was a massive, massive undertaking of just manpower. Um, the walls, they're all, it's like a big Lego set. They're about 80 pounds each, I think, which are the four foot. You got four foot, six foot, and eight foot sections. And they're just roughly around 80 pounds each. Of course, the eight foot sections, you're going to need two men um, to pick up and assemble. But it's how it's designed. It's, I forget the number, Allen, but it's all an Allen key, how it goes together, which is super cool. So there's no, you don't need power tools nothing um it's just all allen keys and that's how the walls kind of come out and come in which is super cool so that that's yeah i did not even realize you could uh build and 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 rebuild a and disassemble and remodel those uh that easily uh how so how did you even find something like that or or, or even maybe even the turf ranges too because i thought that was neat as hell you see so many places that have <laughs> gravel everywhere and there's you know millions and millions of sh of spent shotgun shells and everything at like every other range and then my buddy pointed out when we were doing you know uh looking at the photos and stuff before he came out for hta he goes dude they have turf on their range and no they don't he goes yeah no look look check this out and he showed me the pictures i go wow that's that actually makes a lot of freaking sense I'd like, that's pretty awesome so how did how did those two pieces kind of come into the mix with everything um so the turf uh, interesting deal with that was it was off a middle school, high school football field, which if you're looking for turf, I would say try to get middle school 
because it is definitely not as used as high school, obviously. So just something to consider for the, um, how that deal came to be was the deal was if we take the turf, we have to take all of it. That was the deal. So I was responsible for essentially for the transport and setting up the turf and stuff like that. But that was the deal. They just need to get rid of it because they were in a time crunch because uh, they were only allowed to work in a certain parameter of time at the school and they weren't allowed to work on weekends. So they, the company was in a rush to get all this old turf off. And I'm using, you know, air quotes right now, old turf. It's essentially brand new if you've looked at it um, to get all, all the old turf off and then relay the new turf. Yeah. So yeah. The- it was in really good shape when I was out there. I was, I was, you know, for what it is saying that you got it from a school to your point, right? Like kind of expect to be a little bit more worn out and everything. Yep. And it really wasn't, it's been really, really good shape. Honestly. I mean, I was up and down most of it when I was helping set up, uh, one of the, the, the events there. And, uh, yeah, I was very surprised. It was really cool. Yeah. The, each roll of that turf on average is about 2,500 pounds. And that's due to the rubber pe- uh, little rubber pellets in it. Um, it. It is exactly like you think it would be like shooting on a high school football field. It's like exactly what we were going for. We put massive drains underneath the turf so that you will always get wet on an outdoor range, but you'll never get muddy. That's where we were going with that. So the, there's so many drains underneath there that dumps water across the road. Um, the even I've been on that range in a torrential downpour. I'm wet, but I'm not muddy, um, yeah. which is what we were going for. So mission accomplished there, uh, thanks to those drains. Um, the only downside, the real downside of the turf, um, is that it, it's, it's incredibly difficult to lay, first off. And second off, um, you probably found this out, your casings stick to it. That's the only thing that sucks. So when you pick up the casings, they kind of pluck a piece of turf out, like a single strand of that like artificial grass. But that's, that's, that's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's a really neat concept. Like you said, the, I think the mud part is probably the most advantageous, especially when you're looking at, I would think people who are like newer shooters and like apprehensive about that kind of thing. They don't want to get dirty and whatever. Yeah. Like once you've been doing it a little bit longer, you kind of start to care a little bit less, but it is kind of nice to not have to like pack a, a change of clothes just so you can get into your car and drive home. Uh, that is a really, really neat concept. How did you, how did that come together? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, it was an ad on Facebook Marketplace, believe it or not, for the turf. But the ad never specified how much turf they had. It was like incredibly vague because from what I got from talking to the turf guy, he they get extremely annoyed when people come and say like, oh, I want a six-foot section for my camp. Like they don't want that because that's just more work that they have to take a little section, give to this person, little section to that person. They essentially mm-hmm. want someone coming in like, I want all of it so that they can just load it all in one truck and be done. Um, yeah. I can't say that for all turf, but that's the experience I had dealing with these stadiums, I guess, or the fields. Um, and then the turf isn't just the field itself. If you think about it, it was like a track and field. So you have the football field, and then we got turf from like the surrounding ring where the uh, players and coaches stand. So there was way more than just a football field of turf. Yeah, no, that's a lot. That's a lot. And it's cool because you guys are able to, I think you used, uh, you have like a berm and a Connex box that yep. kind of separates it. So you're able to utilize it as two separate ranges for really whatever you need, uh, whether it's two classes or different focuses within the same class. Uh, you know, the, it's, that was a really cool setup. 
you know, and you're shooting into like a basically a natural mountainside right there. So you didn't have to build much of a berm, I, I don't think. Right. And then the, the, I guess on range, on turf range two, which would be the furthest range, there's 50 from 50 to 100 is not turfed and it's just left uh, kind of bare right now. Next year, we're going to be adding gravel there so we can get vehicles up there a lot easier. So any vehicle wow. classes, we can get full vehicles up right on the gravel. So that'll be a traditional like gravel, like a limestone range, like a, like yeah, a 2A, yeah. 2B uh, kind of mix. And for those that aren't super familiar with limestone, like um, the reason why it makes such good turf is like that 2A, 2B, when the rain hits it and the elements hit it, it kind of packs like cement. So it'll be good traction to move vehicles around really easy. So that's uh, 2024 plans. Sneak peek, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So do you guys have any limitations today in terms of like what you allow for training there? Uh, you know, talking about bringing in vehicles, I know that's, that's one thing that it, I think becomes incredibly difficult, uh, especially like a, to find training access for civilians on that side of things, but just to find facilities that can and will allow a vehicle to be out there and be involved in what's going on. Yeah. So we're super lucky that obviously in such a rural area, the political climate kind of shifts our way towards where we have the unique capability to shoot 24 seven, 365. We don't need suppressors, no saddle horses. Um, and then it's, it's basically the, the vehicles, the limits that we have at BFR, I haven't even hit yet. So I've been approached by some EOD guys about doing some stuff that we're going to do later in 2024. Um, we have not had a helicopter or a tank yet. So I'm still waiting on those two. I had, I, we almost had a tank for an airsoft event, but I think the, it was uh, too hard to actually, the guy couldn't coordinate to get it to BFR. But if you have a helicopter or a tank, hit me up. Let's, uh, let's make it happen. That'd be incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Check those ones off the list for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so you guys have, I know, so I, my buddies took the, the small unit class. Um, I know you guys so you have like the, I think they called the, it was a clubhouse or, ranch yeah. house or something like that is that part of the facility as well or how does that kind of tie into things so when we bought the property we bought the old owner's house which was um as you can imagine like figure at average 80 year old guy so it had some like wallpaper and some interesting flooring yeah. options so it took about three months to convert it into the lodge where we can right now sleep 15 and that's three full-size bathrooms that's like shower toilet Oh, and awesome. that was kind of my mother's baby because what we didn't want to do is rush it and do it cheap. And then guys not want to stay there because it wasn't nice. Like I, I, I stay in the lodge quite a bit uh, just because I often get trapped. I lose track of time and I get trapped at BFR. So I end up staying there. But the whole point of the lodge was like home away from home feeling kind of like a team room aspect and a classroom. Um, the floors we did were super easy to clean. It was like that. Uh, fake tile that snaps together. Um, everything was designed just kind of ease of use and just easy to clean and maintain. And um, we have a grill. We have two refrigerators, large kitchen area. Like I said, the classroom um, we set up. Our goal is to just be an awesome venue and supply all the things an incoming instructor would need. So we have the TV for you. We have the internet for you. We have the HDMI cable, everything you guys need. We have chalkboards now at the shootouts we have dry race boards everything set up so that they don't have to travel with as much that was a big thing i realized it's like guys were always bringing something that they thought they needed our goal is to have it here for them yeah and that's that's a big step you know i, I the the 
the the big pictures, the big picture ideas, I think are not that any of it's easy, right? But those are the easy ones to address. Like we have a facility, we have, you know, a roof and lights and things like that. But when you get down to the details, like you just said, a chalkboard or a whiteboard, things that are kind of ancillary that people write off, don't always consider like that's at least to me in the limited experiences I've had uh, in training environments and things like that. Like that's just the stuff that just, you remember, it just makes it that a little bit easier. It's just like that one less headache you have to to have when you're dealing with everything. Right. And then another thing we offer is like if an instructor is coming in, they're more than welcome to shift whatever they need to BFR. So it's there waiting on them. And we just put it in the instructor suite um, when they get there and it's kind of all set up. Uh, like I said, the goal is just to be an awesome training venue for everyone. That's, that's basically yep. what I'm trying to do with this whole mission here. Yeah. And I was... I was very surprised when we attended uh, the event, right? At the number of different uh, classes they were able to be ran simultaneously. And then it at no point felt like you were stepping on somebody else. You know what I mean? Like I know there was simultaneously several uh, handgun, like red dot class, uh, a CQB shooting course, the actual CQB class I was in uh, with the OTG guys, Plus the, you know, small unit and medical, I think we're both up by uh, the up, up in the building and you had long range going on and you had chances, vehicle stuff. So and at no point I didn't hear from not one person that it was oh it was annoying because these guys were next to us and it was really loud. There's enough space and enough opportunity there to really just spread out and, and cover a whole a shitload of different things, honestly. Right. All the ranges were designed, except for the shootout, obviously, because it's non-live fire, but all the live fire ranges were designed that you're shooting in opposite direction of each other. So everything can be utilized at the same time. That was the dream is that we we're going to have this kind of facility that could operate, like you just said, a lot of different things happening at one time. That was the goal instead of kind of limiting ourselves to one thing at one day at one time. Yeah. So what, let me ask you this though. What are some of the things that when you were, when you were, getting this all set up and rolling what are some of the roadblocks you ran into or some of the problems because i think everybody again has this rosy idea of well i'll just build a shoot house especially hearing how easy i mean just allen keys right and it'll be great but it's never it's never that easy nothing's ever that easy um can you talk about some of the i mean maybe the learning experiences you had i'm sure there were probably more than a few uh and maybe even some of the the speed bumps and and issues that you had kind of getting this to where it is today Right. So I'll be very honest with everyone. Um, I am not a businessman. I'm never going to pretend to be a businessman. Uh, tomorrow, if you call 911, I'll be responding. I'm a police officer first. So this whole mission of I've, I've learned everything by doing it, essentially, good or bad. Um, a lot of hard lessons have been learned from BFR. Um, this is by far the hardest and most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um a lot of good days, but a lot of bad days. Um, it's interesting because social media and, the, and this whole internet thing, it's like you can only post your wins and how great you're doing and how everything is so perfect. Uh, BFR is not perfect. I'm not perfect. Um, it has been an uphill journey pretty much every step of the way. Um, I was like, we'll even talk about the shoot house. So pouring the 90 by 60 cement pads. So we wanted six inches thick so you could drive a car up on it. Um, I was grading gravel until I want to say like one or 2 AM 
in the cement yeah. was coming at six or seven a.m. And that's just the time frame, like the crunches that we were under. Um, before that range was turfed, I'm sure people listening right now have been to that range before it was turfed. It was a it was like a clay-based dirt. So imagine like brownie mix. So if it was wet or rainy, which it often is in Western PA, it's like your foot would sink into that range. Um, so even yeah. trying to work with that material, um, we were constantly battling the elements because we could only work with it when it was dry. If there's anybody that works in excavation out there, you just push around muddy dirt. You're not getting anywhere and you're not really helping. You're just pushing this problem over there. That's essentially what you're doing. So um, the weather was a challenge. Um, not to mention, like I said, the previous owner, <laughs> nice guy, but just very bipolar because he was so emotionally tied to the property. I don't blame him. Um, he's owned it for 20 years. He did all the trails. I, I get it. Um the, the stress that this has put on my family and I, um, you know, my current employer doesn't care that I own a business. You know, they don't they don't care that I needed to stay off and they took it back and so on and forth, so forth. Like for the um, HTA range day, I, you know, work was calling me like, where? Yeah, we we I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I put a day in They're like, nope, we're taking it back. It's like, well, I'm already here. Um, so things like that. I'm trying to still have a professional career. There's still some goals that I want to accomplish with my career. Um, and obviously with everything that happened in my career, um, I was an officer involved shooting uh, earlier this year. That's a big reason why my faith can't be attached to BFR directly. Um, God sure. forbid something like that happens again. Um, so there's been a lot of challenges, but I'm very thankful for that. I, I, the only, how I see this all playing out is that, we are just being a venue for good people to train and learn and meet other like-minded people. Um, we're not trying to be the best training company. We are just trying to be a venue. That's, that's basically what it all boils down to for us. Yeah. I mean, and, and I personally, I, I loved it. I loved everything about being there and it's a great opportunity. Really. It's close to, I mean, about five hours from Michigan, uh, a little bit less from Ohio. So when you guys, uh, you know, you said it's been about three years since you made the purchase when, uh, how long have you guys been open? And then how did you, how did you get the word out? Because I feel like sometimes that's the biggest issue is people just don't, un, they don't know where they can go find a, a training facility. And then all of a sudden you kind of just stumble across it. And it's like, wow, this has been here this whole time. What the hell I could have been, I could have been doing this for years or, you know what I mean? So I would totally X out the first year of ownership of BFR. Um, buying 1200 acres, the, we, like I grew up in the city, so I'm not a country boy. I'm not experienced with that. I, I am now, you know, trial by fire, but going back in time, that first year, just completely scratch, uh, scratch it out because we were so focused on building that we did a really shitty job of advertising because I was the one in the machines, um, coordinating with other contractors, getting the cement poured, finding the turf, uh, setting up the shoot house, building the plans. Like I was too busy doing that stuff versus getting the word out. Yeah. Um, so that was the, if I could go back in time, that was like the biggest mistake I made was not to, I did not advertise properly that first year, but um, ever since then, I, it's been a lot of word of mouth, of course, social media, but I think seeing is believing. Like when I do tours for guys that like a new training company wants to come to BFR, 
or a military unit or a new police agency, I'll tell them about it. I'll send them the YouTube video. But once I get them there for a tour, I'm not a salesman. The property sells itself. Like I don't really have to say much besides driving them around, being like a likable guy. It's like, here, this is what we offer. And it sells itself. And that's kind of how I'll, I'll let BFR doing the talking for me, you know? Yeah. It, it's gorgeous land. I mean, it, it, I remember sitting there with it, my buddies and like, just looking around and going, wow, this is incredible. And then that turns into, Hey, can you imagine what it would be like making, trying to make this shot from, from up there or what you could do? And I mean, cause there's, there's ridges and, uh, and hills and then even bigger hills and, and openings and clearings. And there's so much space to just do what I mean, really whatever you want, honestly, I can't. And, and it may be more my limited knowledge and experience that, but I can't think of a whole lot that that uh, a, an agency or or something would would need to do that you guys don't have the space to allow for, short of something like a a specialized building, you know, like an office building. If you if you're looking to particularly work in that kind of environment and setting, but space wise, I mean, there's I know where we were at. We we rented an RV when we came down and. There was a shitload of space to set up. Actually, funny enough, the guy at the, who was at the gate when we got there had us drive all the way down to the valley for where the uh, for the camping area. And dude, I did not think you you mentioned earlier like the single track roads and everything coming down there. And there was like I think there might have been a switchback. And oh yeah, uh, I was happy my buddy Steve was driving because like I I wouldn't be able to do it. I was like you know I'm sitting in the in the back of the RV just like trying not to look and like. It's getting dark. We got out there at like eight eight thirty, which it there would have been light except for the canopy there blocks it all out. And by the time we got down yep. there, it was completely blacked out and everything. Uh, and thankfully, I, th- I don't. I think it was you. He might have talked to you on the second day, and he was able to move it up to where the other RVs were about uh, fifty or sixty yards from the shoot house. I'm like, dude, thank God. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I can sit through that ride a second time. <laughs> That will be approved upon for next year. So we'll have camping like kind of up by the shoot house that's like flat plane area. And just so for everyone kind of listening in, if you're going like at a decent pace, not trying to break your suspension on your truck or car, it's roughly an eight to 10 minute drive from the gate to the unknown distance range. Almost yeah. 10 minutes of just driving kind of off road, you know, per se to get to the unknown distance range, which is just crazy to think about. And that's traversing, like you said, switchbacks, downhill. And you're going up a huge plain road. And um, it's part of the BFR experience and kind of trying to kind of build this like preparedness center or the preparedness center for people to go to to train and learn is that you need somewhat of a capable car if you want to get to some of the areas of BFR. And everyone always asking, like, oh, when are you going to get that paved? When are you going to get that paved? I'm like, I don't know, man. I feel like the ruggedness is like a part of BFR. Like, I feel like you buy this off-road package, you know, truck. Okay. Let's, let's see, you know? I mean, Um, I feel like you should, that's just something that when you decide you're going to buy a Volkswagen GTI instead of a a, a Jeep or some kind of SUV or pickup truck, like that's just, that's the agreement you're making with yourself is that you understand there's just some things are going to be harder for you to do. Like, drive on dirt roads and get places that are a little bit less than convenient. Like I, I, that's why I drive a Jeep. Like I don't, sorry, like, sorry, not sorry. You know, like I think to your point, right. I think paving over the roads while it would be convenient, I kind of feel like it would almost detract from the overall experience a little bit, you know? 
I totally agree. I feel like it is very much a part of the BFR experience to traverse some of this terrain. And I, I truly do not want to change that. Of course, I'm going to maintain the road down the hill to the yellow trailer. That will always be, I'll always maintain that road in the mm -hmm. switchback turn. I got to maintain because that could get a little dangerous, but yeah, I, I just feel like that's a part of it. And I, I truly do not want to change that. Um, even in the winter, the roads are so traveled upon that it's truly not that bad. The roads are so packed in now that they're pretty, typically actually pretty good. And we do a lot of work to them uh, continuously to kind of keep them as safe as we possibly can. It's not like it's treacherous. It's just, like you said, it's just part of the experience. If you drive a Jeep, you'll be fine, yeah. you know? So what, what does that involve? I mean, and because and, I feel like that's probably one of those things people just overlook and forget. Like when you have to take care of a road or maintain it, it means that involve bringing out commercial grade grading <laughs> equipment or something or what does that look like for you guys so um last year we put 120 tons of millings on the road and you probably couldn't even tell when you were there because mother nature just does what she wants with it um but yeah we we rely heavily on our kind of off-road uh, friend that's uh, still in motorsports to kind of guide us get us trying to get us the right equipment the right attachments to kind of maintain the property and help us maintain it so yeah we we have a lot of close friends that kind of guide us because I'm not a machine operator. I mean, I literally learned how to operate a Bobcat just that night before the shoot house. I mean, pretty much that was, that's, that's how it went. Um, yeah. But yeah, just maintaining the property alone is pretty difficult. Um, because like I said, we all four seasons, um, but last year we didn't get too much snow, so it wasn't too bad, but, um, the mud, if you've been to BFR, it's just, it's a part of it. Just like traversing the terrain, the mud comes with that a lot of dirt and mud at BFR like uh for the off-road events we have you'll see guys come in with you know shiny machines and they're leaving brown and it's like oh they're you know taking a piece of BFR with them yeah I mean it's just it that that that's and that's why I love when people with stuff like this you'll get I'm sure you got a ton of comments after some of these events like oh why don't you do this when are you adding that and I know it's all done with the best of intent, but I feel like people just, they miss that. Like they don't have that realization of like, okay, I would love to. And even if you take money out of it completely from a time perspective, a, like you said, day job, but B there's the level of time you put in for general upkeep, which then leaves a very small amount of time typically for new for additional, let alone if that's gonna be something that adds to like your maintenance time, around the clock um but maybe can you talk a little bit about what maybe if there's plans for the future or what you'd like to to see as an addition coming down the line in the next couple of years here yeah so the next big thing we're going to be completing is definitely the unknown distance range so we have a lot of it graded we're roughly about out to 900 right now i want to try to get that to a thousand we have 33 pieces of steel we're going to be adding a few more different shapes and sizes and we're actually going to be doing connexes, kind of just like every other range, but we're going to do it. Uh, I'm not going to give it away just yet because it's pretty unique and special, but uh, we're going to be assembling the connexes, uh, shipping containers in such a shape and formation that's going to give the shooter mm, almost like a 180, almost. Oh, so, wow. Um, for competitions and stuff like that and just different uh, high angle, low angle stuff. It's going to be pretty cool. So that's kind of, that's an early 2024 project kind of as soon as the weather breaks, uh, I'm going to get on that. 
Um, for you guys, that's what, like March, April out there in Pennsylvania. I know that's when it kind of starts getting decent here. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of depends though. Cause it's just, it's still like super wet and damp and rainy, but yeah, after that right. cleared, we're going to get right to, uh, that project, which I'm super excited for because, um, I am not a long range guy. This was my first long range class. I took over the weekend with core vision and I absolutely loved it. Um, shooting 33 targets, different targets laid out unknown distances. Um, is some of the most fun I've ever had because um, typically ranges are like the bowling alley where you got like 200, 300, 350, 400, et cetera. And they're all like a nice berm and you can perfectly see the splash if you miss or get an impact or whatever. And um, this range is like every target, it, it's shooting pretty much from, I would say like seven to three. So you have a really wide angle uh, ability to shoot different targets at distances instead of just that traditional like, bowling alley lane um so it was just super fun and we had um we had like the simulated roof like the wooden roof set up we had a few of the tank traps um some barricades um so that's kind of the range that we were working on the most and there's a lot of different positions within that range so if you guys rent the range or have take class at the ranges uh the structure instructors can move you guys around and it can create so many different angles uh because it, we had a lot of it cleared so it's uh it's pretty pretty open-ended uh, kind of for that range which is exciting and then yeah. and at the end of the day if you guys come up to the lodge uh you can shoot i think we're at a thousand or eleven hundred from essentially the back of the lodge past the turf uh to an area where i used to um i kind of robbed dirt from this area to build the turf ranges but you can shoot at the end of the day by the fire which is super cool because it's just a very uh, special shot pretty cool so. Yeah. And that's, it's funny you, you mentioned that because, uh, we were talking on the way home and, uh, my buddy, Josh, he, he actually pointed out, he's like, you know, from that building up there, you can actually get a pretty good line of sight. Oh yeah. And like, he was talking about, he's like, it's gotta be, you know, at least a thousand yards from there. And then, uh, when chance was giving the night vision demo and he was actually showing some of the high powered lasers and the distances and things they can, they can reach and stuff. That was, I mean, just the light bulb started going off. Like, man, you could probably do that from here. And like, you start trying to, you know, uh, fantasize on which shot you're able to make and, and distance. Like, I don't even think I'd be able to make a shot of that distance, but I would, I would still, I'd try, you know, I mean, you're not going to not. <laughs> um, yeah. I got to give credit where credit's due. I think Precor were the first ones to do it. That class uh, earlier, earlier this year was the first class to do it, which is pretty cool. So um, they'll definitely be back and I'm sure they'll incorporate that shot into uh, after class activities. I'm sure. Yeah, no. And that's going to be cool. Having guys like Precor out there or even core vision who I know is out in like Washington state, you know, other yep. side of the country, basically coming out to, to use the facilities. And I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, it's gotta be, you know, a good feeling for you guys. Yeah. We kind of diversify ourselves. So when we created BFR, it was basically merger merging four businesses at once. So you have like BFR and all that entails with all the shooting and gun ranges. Mm -hmm. We're also FFL SOT. So we sell firearms and accessories. We had the off-roading and then um, we also, sorry, that's just three. Yep. I'm miscounting. Yeah. It's just three. It's basically <laughs> combining three businesses at once. Oh, sorry. The fourth is the lodge. So it's like basically running an Airbnb. That was the fourth one. I always forget. So yeah. combining all that in once, and we're just so excited to be diversifying ourselves with 
We have tactical games coming in 2024. Um, we have breaching classes. We just built a breaching bay, eight uh, doors for explosives, manual uh, breaching. So we have that coming. Guild Solutions will be doing. I believe it's open enrollment. I got to get with them one more time. But I know a lot of guys are excited for breaching because guys have taken all the CQB classes, but that does you no good if you can't get in. So we are excited to roll that out. Um, uh, we have Green Line Tactical, Barrel and Hatchet. I'm uh, going to talk with Eric, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but I think we're trying to formulate a 5.56 PRS match, a gas gun match at BFR. I know they do, they do them in Florida typically, but we want to have one at, um, under Barrel and Hatchet at BFR. So that'll be really cool. Um, they're actually coming up this weekend, um, which I'm excited for to get with those guys. We're ha we have Gray Fighter coming in. Um, he's going to do some kind of low-vis surveillance classes. So there's not just shooting classes at BFR is the point I'm trying to get across. So Yeah. No, and access to the just and, – and that's the biggest part of a lot of that stuff is just having access to a facility that hosts – I know there's a, a number of companies out there. I mean, several of them were at the HTA event, right? Like yep. Orion, right, who, who are more than happy to share that information on things like CQB, things like breaching – uh, but, you know, to your point, like guys take the CQB class doesn't help if you can't get in, but then you go, okay, well, where can I go? That's going to let me train on how to breach a door. And it, it, those are, those kinds of facilities are few and far between. So having you guys as, you know, like a Midwest resource, uh, so to speak, right. Where you're accessible, like I said, from the East coast, uh, Midwest States and things like that. And within, uh, you know, under half a day's drive. That really, right. I think, makes you very accessible. Where, by the way, where is the the breaching bay going? Just I know listeners may not know, but um, um, there, I'm just curious. So the I, I can't. I want to say it was being worked on. It should have been the frame should have been up by the HCA range chase. So I'm surprised you didn't see it. So um, it's to essentially without kind of pointing it out on a map. It's basically next to or near the shoot house. So the goal was do your breaching and then assault the shoot house. So it's within walking distance to the shoe house on purpose, but it has to be certain space, you know, obviously with for uh, safety. everything going yeah. on. Yeah, for safety. But um, yeah, so we we talked to a kind of a local construction place that we can get doors, relatively cheap uh, used doors. And, you know, I got to thank uh, Shane at Guild Solutions. I uh, was able to help us get the schematic and the blueprints for what everything needed to be done to kind of build up the spec. And uh, yeah, so I guess the it's built and now we're just waiting on a uh, instructor to come through. Um, so the breaching thing, I'm definitely excited for. Um, and if you guys take the class, you know, feel free to bring your own door. We need them. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I can only imagine, you know, uh, talking about doors like I've I've priced out and it's obviously different, right? Because you guys are buying them to destroy them. But I've yeah. I, they're still not cheap. I priced them out for my house and even like basic doors are not cheap. Um, so yeah, finding them secondhand, bringing them yourself. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a one-time use. It's an expendable item, which sucks. It's not like you can get two reps on a door, you know? So it's like, you know, um, for a whole yeah. class, you need quite a few doors. And then, um, yeah. So kind of brings me to the next point is, uh, we also offer simulation rentals. So if your, your friend group of guys or whoever you train with, needs ammunition equipment, we rent that. Um, so we have the head protection, we have the ammo, we have the bolts. Um, we don't do anything pistol-related to munitions right now just because it seems like everyone has a different uh, 
handgun, and especially yeah. with all the Glock. A lot of the Glock gener- generations don't, the slides don't compute with this uh, generation, et cetera, et cetera. So we just stick with the bolts. So basically, if you have any DI right hand ejecting AR 15 within anything reason that's not too wild, um, you can use this ammunition bolt. Yeah, I know several guys took advantage of that uh, at, when I was there for the class. A lot of guys were really happy to have the opportunity to just pay and rent it because I, I, I know some guys thought uh, you couldn't do it unless you were LE. I know there's that whole ATF thing that's going on now, any, but this was this was before that. Um, so I know a lot of guys were very thrilled to have the opportunity to just for you know a couple bucks, hey. Uh, you know, I'll rent the bolts. I'll get, uh, I don't know, 20 rounds or something for the day or 50, whatever, however, however many rounds they, they purchase, you know, uh, it's not an experience that people always get, let alone if you're at a facility that doesn't allow the use of simunitions. Um, so that's, a, that's a big plus, you know, and, you know, not everyone offers that. Right. And that's in my mind, force on force. And I've talked to Jared from Orion about this 2024 is going to be the year of force on force. So I'm excited about it because I just think that's the best lessons to be learned. A little bit of pain, know mm-hmm. what you did wrong and, and kind of, um, yeah, the, the whole, that is super what I'm excited about, especially with the OTG guys. They're coming, I think 10 times to BFR in 2024, which is just insane. They're like rock stars. So, um, we are excited to host them. So be sure to check their website. I know their classes sell out typically pretty quick. And what's cool about that is, and I know Jared's a big, uh, proponent of this is the students and the instructors all staying on site because you get that after hours class that like the bonding and stuff and have a cigar, have a drink, you know what I mean? Hang out and shoot the shit, talk about setups. Um, and that's what I, that's kind of been one of my favorite parts to kind of own a BFR because I've been able to be a fly on the wall for some of those classes and just come through and just see everyone enjoying it uh, kind of after hours, not just, all right, class is over. All right, let's go to dinner and go back to the hotel and do it again tomorrow. When you stay on site, number one, you don't have to worry about hauling all your shit in a hotel, which is, I, I can't stand that. You don't have to worry about your stuff being in the hotel while you're at the eat. Basically, once you arrive on BFR, you make one Walmart run. Walmart civilization, you know, is about 20 minutes away. And that's about yeah. it. We got a grill, refrigerator, everything you guys need. Typically, guys don't leave after the first night unless they get food. They go out to eat. Yeah. And one of the, the, or I guess a couple of the best experiences for me out of the trip, you know, obviously the class was amazing and the facilities are great, but just be able to interact with people, you know, uh, that, that, that big open area, uh, by the yellow trailer, I think, right. Where yeah. they did checking and everything and where they gave the safety brief. You had, I mean, that's, that's where we met people got, Oh, wow. Is that, is that whatever fill in the blank brand of rifle or, or yep. and everyone, I mean, it's just starts discussions and then, you make connections with people. I mean, I'm still talking to guys that I met that are several States away from me now. And, you know, I met them during those, uh, those interactions and stuff, just casually spending time together or on, you know, meal breaks during class and just, uh, being able to, like you said, go through kit, look at what the instructors are running or, or things like that. Hey, have you heard of this? You know, why didn't you, why don't you like that? You know, stuff like that. In my opinion, that's probably some of the most Again, class is good, but it's some of the most enjoyable, I guess, memories that you pull from it is that like extra level of personal interaction and having a facility that allows you to continue that outside of the the class. It, that's nice. That, that that's you know, I'll just that extra that really makes a difference. Yeah, that whole like student instructor breakdown because if you've been around the OTG guys, 
they are exactly who they are on social media, which yep. I think is kind of pretty <laughs> rare. Like almost to like, I fail your point. Like they are, that is the person they are on that camera is exactly the person, that, which is awesome. Um, and it, it's, it's having a friend like Jared to kind of call upon to run things by. Like I remember when I was building the breaching wall, I was like panicking because we were laying the, the rock before it, the limestone. I had a question out kind of where to put it and stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're good, you're good. It's like I'm thankful to have those connections because, like, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in everything. Like, that's, you know what I mean? How professional is that? So you have to, like, even I have to call upon people. Everyone does to kind of help you along the way. So I'm thankful to those guys. But if yeah. you spend some time around the OTG guys, that they are exactly who they are, who they portray to be, you know? Yeah, it's no, like, and yeah. those those connections are huge. I mean, for, for reasons like what you just said, or even if you're somebody listening to this podcast and you're looking for help in a certain area, I mean, none of those guys are shy about sharing information. They're all very good people. And if you're, if you are by odd chance, somebody listening to this that thinks because you have, you know, like Ryan, some time spent in law enforcement or time in the military that does not mean that you figured everything out uh and i think that's one of those myths right like as a new shooter you reach out to your buddy who's a cop or your friend who was in the navy or something oh they'll just teach me how to shoot they must know everything and some people will actually act upon that and it's kind of shitty but yeah no i mean 100 percent. i think one of the coolest things about this community is the connections that you make and 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 the relationships that are that are built off of those connections and then uh just being able to come together for some of these larger events and actually having a place to do it um i understand that uh the hta event actually right uh, this is their first year that they held it at at bfr because they actually outgrew their previous location um so just outstanding to have uh, the option, right? Hey, to move on up, to, to keep growing, to keep expanding and offering a better experience and obviously to be able to support a really, really good cause. Yeah. Like just speaking briefly on that event, like what Dylan was able to do with that event is incredible because like for guys that don't know behind the scenes, like he was sleeping on a cot. He had to do financials to pay for all the lodging of the instructors. So he covered all that. And I couldn't imagine just, he's the, um, just coordinating that type of event, it, it's pretty incredible. It was pretty incredible to watch. And like I was there to help him along the way, whatever he needed. But I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's his show and he, mm -hmm. he ran it, man. Yeah, I know the first night we were there, uh, I was just, I, I was wondering where he would be, what, what would be going on. And uh, we, like I said, we were down in the, that valley, right? Camping out and we had no yeah. cell service. So um, and it's funny because we talked about this, uh, Josh and I did when we did our like debrief of the trip. We didn't. I, I listened to it. Yeah. I, I heard about the RV adventures. Oh yeah. Yeah. We didn't have the foresight to like, Hey, we're at the front gate. Somebody started like, let's text our wives and let them know that we're not dead. So when we got down there and realized we had zero bars of service, it was like, all right, I guess like we sent two of them, like, Hey, you guys go, go up the hill. Here's everybody's wives, phone numbers. Let them know that we're not like, you know, dead or anything. And they, they ran into Dylan. He's, you know, with night vision on, you know, zooming all over the place in a four wheeler, uh, addressing issues, putting out fires, doing things that need to be done uh, with an event like that, with the number of people that they had come in. And that was only, I assume anyways, dealing with the number of people that actually stayed on site. I know there were a lot that stayed in Airbnbs and hotels and things like that. that were half hour ish and, and closer. Yeah. Yeah. That was, 
an awesome event. I was I'm super excited for next year because like it's always a constant improvement. And me and Dylan talked about it. it's like little tweaks and changes that we're just going to adjust for next year to make it better. Um, I, I think if Dylan was with us right now, he he would say he's not an expert in event coordinating. I mean, that's not what he does for a living. You know, right. I'm not a businessman, so it's like we're we're still learning together and, and, and making it better. So everyone's you know trying their best. Um, I think overall was a major success. Um, which is it was cool publicity for BFR too because. Like you said, it was utilizing pretty much every facility BFR had at one time, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, and it, it, I think hopefully maybe it just even inspires other people that are trying to do something of a similar concept, maybe at a different point in the year or something was, Hey, there is a place where you can go and run multiple classes or, uh, especially when you look at like travel costs to get some instructors, there's somebody you really want to learn from, get them out to, like to you. If you can get, the group of them out at once and you have the facility size that you can, you're not limited to a 16 person class. You have all of the space you can spread out and utilize. And that way it makes it easier on the instructors. And it also, you know, you would think then if you have that many people, maybe it makes it easier on the students financially, just because you can have more students there to help lighten the costs and things, uh, which I, and as somebody who's tried to put classes uh, together and, you know, we have Orion coming up here to Michigan next year and knowing that every facility just has, they have size limitations. It just depends. Like, is it 12 people or is it 1200 people? Uh, You know, what what your limitation is and how you're able to, uh, you know, work around that, work that into your plan and what you want to do and how you're going to run the class and things like that. Yeah. And one super cool thing that kind of we don't advertise as well as we should is that we are available for rental at any time to anyone. So if you want to rent the shoot house, you want to rent a turf range, you want to rent the unknown distance range, you can do that. Um, you can call or email us, uh, email us anytime and we can set up scheduling for you, which is pretty specialized because a lot of guys, like you said, are looking for a place to train and we can be that place. So what, what kind of stuff, I mean, I know we touched on, I think you mentioned like an airsoft event earlier and then the off-roading firearms training. Is there anything else that, that you guys have had that, you know, maybe just surprised you that they came in and utilized the space? Um, we're in talks with a big, well-known, um, how do I phrase it? I don't want to say it because it hasn't come to fruition yet, but a yeah. somewhat of a hunting challenge, but it won't be live animals. It'll be kind of like competition based. So that's something that, again, I'm not a hunter unless it's coyotes, but um, that's just a whole different business venture that we're kind of talking with them now. So that's exciting. So keep on the lookout for that. If you're into archery, I should say, that's who's going to be coming through. So it'll be pretty cool. We're oh. excited. No, that that does sound awesome. I'm I'm yeah. also not a hunter. Uh, I tried archery for about five minutes uh, with my buddy <laughs> Bo, and I was uh, not good. So not, not my slice of pie either, but, uh, it is, I mean, I know the Midwest and everything, we, we definitely do our share of hunting up here and cool that you guys have the facility there too. I would never have thought about something like that. Honestly, I thought, I don't know. I thought you were going to say something like, I I don't know, mountain biking or something. I I don't know. I did not expect that for for whatever reason. And then we got a few like bigger Jeep events that are becoming specialized Jeep events that are becoming to BFR. So if you're a Jeep guy, uh, we got a, we're in talks with a few of those as well. Still finalizing the 2024 schedule. We still have plenty of openings, but we are starting to kind of fill up, which is exciting. Um, we mostly we do events on the weekends, and then we do agency trainings during the week. 
but um, we're definitely available during the week. If there's any private rentals out there, call us for pricing. Um, and we do not price per head. So it's just a flat rate within reason. Obviously don't invite 200 of your friends, but um, you know, within reason, a group of guys want to rent yeah. the unknown distance range and shoot for a few hours at 900 yards, unknown distance. They can absolutely do that. Yeah. And that's awesome. Like, cause I know everything is commercial. It's so commercialized. I know there's a lot of like the, uh, I actually just signed up for a sportsman's association here and it's like, everything is nickeled and dimed and down to, you know, and it, it really isn't that bad, but I do know that they, when I talked to my buddy who was already a member, I'm like, Hey, do they do classes here? Do they do, you know, all this stuff? And they're like, Oh yeah, but it's a lot of three gun. So they only do that. I'm like, they don't do anything with night vision. I mean, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. Like, Oh no, they don't. Yeah. It's so it's, it is, it's a, and I, I just want people listening to understand like what you guys have going is a fairly different experience than what you're going to get at like your traditional gun club where it's 50% skeet shooting and then 50% like just target bays and things like that. It's not, and really, truly, if you're listening to this, you need to make the trip out to see it. Uh, it really is. I mean, and for everything we just talked about, you guys still have a ton of space. I'm not going to say it's unutilized, but it's not like everything is not crammed together. You know, right. like there's just there, it, it, at no point did I feel like we didn't have enough room. The campground wasn't people, you know, standing on top of each other or anything like that. There's a ton of space here. Like maybe 1200 acres doesn't sound like a lot to you. Honestly, when you say 1200 acres, for what I saw, I, that sounds like a small, uh, that number sounds too small for me. I just, I can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't conceptualize, like I would have, I would have guessed closer to like five or 7,000. I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it is so massive and so vast. Uh, the space yeah. that you guys have there, it's incredible. Yeah. We're, we're super excited about it. And like I said, we encourage for our pricing, like we encourage like a group of guys that rent the unknown distance range and then they split that cost. And it's super affordable. And we encourage that. It's not like we're mm-hmm. hiding behind this paywall. Like, oh, man, no. It's like, no. We, every email I send back to guys that are interested, I'm like, hey, invite your friends. It's a flat rate. You know what I mean? Just yeah. within reason. That's all, that's all I say. Like, within reason. And, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool that we're just trying to be, again, there's a lot of specialized training sites that kind of maybe some individuals don't have access to for whatever reason, whether they're government training facilities, military, whatever, police training only. We are kind of trying to appeal to everyone. That is the goal of BFR, just to be a venue for everyone to learn something at. Um, and it was cool with events like HTA that really highlighted that because they had all those trainings going out one time in medical, um, survival training, they had SUT, they had firearms, red dot. I was CQB. It was so cool to see all that because it's, it is rare because it takes a lot of coordination to kind of utilize those things all at one time. But um, it just kind of shows what it could be. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I would, I would say that most people are, are hard pressed to find something comparable. I'm not gonna say it doesn't exist because I'm sure it probably yeah. does. Uh, but I didn't, it, yeah, I didn't invent a training facility. Like that's not, you know what I mean? That's yeah. Not. yeah. Yeah, no, but, uh, to, to find it all in the same place, certainly, uh, more rarity than, than it already is to find such an accessible location and things. Um, but uh Ryan man this has been this has been awesome. I appreciate you making the time to, to I mean honestly to hear about all of this and everything that kind of goes into it. Um I know there was a lot you you said you'd gone into and and kind of thought about before we sat down. Is there anything we didn't get to that you want to mention to the listeners? 
Yeah. So briefly, um, I think I touched on it earlier. I just want to kind of correct myself. So in 2017, when my partner killed uh, a good friend, uh, Brian Shaw, he was killed in line of duty on a traffic stop. It kind of sent me to a darker place for a while because I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't have the best resources at the time. And this whole training venture came about that um, to be kind of for him. We're going to be naming one of the ranges after him kind of once we get settled. I don't want to rush cool. that because the last yeah. thing I ever want to do is like, oh, I built a facility. That's like in time. That's kind of where I want to take it. Um, I'm still very close with his brother. His brother is also in law enforcement. Um, and th the whole goal was talking about that is there's a lot of why behind BFR. This is not just a monetary facility that's focused on the bottom dollar. Um, seeing police, military, and civilians, kind of our logo is the three chains kind of train together, sometimes all even at one time, which is super cool, by the way, because it happens quite a bit. Um, that's kind of the goal is just kind of being that, I want to solidify that, it's just being this training facility that's open for everyone. But um, a lot of people, I kind of shy away from telling people that because it turns into like a sob story, and that's not the point at all. The point is just that this facility just didn't come to be overnight, and it wasn't like a, uh, yep, I'm going to do that. It's an easy day. You know, that wasn't the point. The point was, um, kind of seeking better training for myself, realized that this area doesn't kind of have a place for people to train. So that's kind of what I want to be. Like I said, this like solid training venue for everyone. Yeah. And I, I would say you've done, I mean, again, I was on there for the weekend, but I, I, I feel like you're on the right track doing the, exactly. the things, you know, are going to keep people coming and wanting to be there and afford people the opportunity to have access to that better training, uh, I can tell you as somebody that lives, you know, in Michigan, I feel like a lot of people either recognize or realize we do it. Like we have a ton of hunting here. We do not. Uh, I think there's maybe one location in the whole state that has access to, to what I would say is a real training facility. I've taken a couple of classes where they'll like, you know, you step out past the shooting line. So you're not really in shooting lanes anymore in an indoor yes. range. Right. And you can do some shooting and moving, but because you're doing that, you're really kind of limited to like 12 people in a class or 10 people in a class. And you can't really shoot further than 25 yards. And there's just a lot of things you can't do. Not that that's not still good training because it is, but to, to really, you know, to your point, to ha give people, whether they're in law enforcement, military, uh, armed civilian, you know, whatever have you, the access to training to, training in whatever regards they need it, whether that's long distance or whatever close up, uh, you know, it is a very rare thing. And it's important that people realize that whatever you get at like your CPL class, that's not really training. It really right. isn't. It's more like a insurance liability presentation that also has a firearm. Uh, right. so, uh, getting into what you guys have there, I think it's awesome that you have that that like purpose behind it, you know, that, that like yeah. driving force to do this for the right reasons. Like it's not, not just to, you know, make capital gains taxes happen and stuff like that. You know yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> uh, which there are those facilities and that sucks, but it, it, it is nice to, to know that something like this exists and you guys are, again, I think relatively accessible, uh, you know, Pennsylvania's, I mean, at least in these, the, this half of the country, it's, I would say uh, under a day's drive from most places. Yep. 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 And we're only one hour North of Pittsburgh international airport. So it's not even far if you fly in. Good to know. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially uh-huh. people that's willing to deal with the TSA. I am not one of those people, but thankfully it's like a five-hour <laughs> drive for me, so I, I'll I'll just take the drive and and uh, I'll suck it up and, and deal with that over over the airport and their bullshit any day of the week. Um, but yeah, man, I I appreciate it. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, it, it's really cool to hear the the behind the scenes to everything. Uh, where can people, before we wrap here, where can people find more information about, uh, you know, the range? I know you guys are on social media where, uh, is there like a website and stuff we can throw out there? Yeah. So we're at just the basic benfranklinrange.com, benfranklinrange on Instagram and Facebook, and then on YouTube as well. If you want to check out like a quick two minute video, of the facility, just type in Ben Franklin range and there'll be some really cool drone shots and kind of actually seeing the lodge in person, seeing the turf ranges and it'll kind of briefly very quickly describe the facility to you so if you hear this and only have two minutes to watch it that's the video to go to on youtube and that'll give you just a down and dirty quick description of kind of who we are and what we do and showing you it and uh hopefully we see you guys on the range soon that's that's the goal for this and i appreciate you having me on and kind of talk about it you uh you got the breaking story this is the first time i've really opened up about bfr and talked about it because i just felt like i had to wait kind of until the time was right and uh, i appreciate you giving me that platform i really do Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I had a great time when I was there. And I, I'm, we, uh, <laughs> on the ride home, we're already talking next year. What are we going to do? How are we going to get out there? You listen to it. So, you know, we had a really bad time with the RV, probably not yeah. doing that again, <laughs> not because of the facility. I'm going to be very clear about that. It was not because of the facility. It was because I, I we were basically got a lemon of an RV. It yeah. was a rough time. And if you guys want to hear about that, I think it's like, I don't know, it's the debrief I did yeah. with Josh. But it was bad. It was not what we were. It was not what we were promised. We were supposed to have like a 2021 RV with less than 7,000 miles in pristine condition. It definitely didn't. But uh, we were already planning uh, the return trip uh, and, and maybe multiple. I know Josh wanted to try and make it out for the barrel and hatchet class. Um, unfortunately, he has this little thing going on with like, uh, you know, uh, delivery date for a child uh, that it happens to be his. So he can't make it out. You know, it might be more important, might be more important. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we're, we're definitely, we're going to be out again, uh, at least once next year, uh, hopefully at least twice, but, um, yeah, man, thank you so much for, for, for joining me sitting down and, and opening up about this. I, I think it's awesome. And, uh, I look forward to connecting with you in the future. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks. Austin. I'll see you soon, man. Well, if you had been thinking about, you know, starting your own range or facility, or maybe had dreams of opening a training facility. Uh, I mean, hopefully that, that conversation didn't discourage you, but I think it's always good to have a healthy perspective and understanding of what some of these grand endeavors can, can look like. Right. And Ryan said it, you know, there's, there's really, really good days and he loves that he's doing what everything he's doing with BFR, but there's also, you know, there's some bad days and there's a lot of work and a lot of time and things that, people don't always think of when they, uh, you you know, have these dreams and these wishes of wanting to own a facility like that and, and run a facility like that. It's not just your own personal playground. It's a lot of work and time and and maintenance to, to upkeep it. And then, you know, also ensure, as we talked about that it is accessible for people that need better training. People, a lot of the time, you know, we, we want to talk about, get a better instructor, take more classes, spend more time training. A necessary part to complete that equation will always be the facility in which you take the training, right? Where that curriculum is carried out. 
I think there's some places that, you know, it could be grand if they had a better facility. I've taken classes at several places where you basically fit the curriculum to the indoor range you have access to. Like I had mentioned there in our conversation, nothing longer than 25 yards, no more than 12 people in class because for safety reasons, you literally just, you don't have the space to spread out and really truly teach these concepts in a way that can be fully appreciated and understood. I know one rifle zeroing for one thing. Hey, uh, you have 5200 zero, but we only have 25 yards. So here, let's use this specialized target and have you aim at one place to hopefully hit at another. And then, you know, that's your zero, which we, a lot of us would understand, but <clears throat> new shooters may not comprehend what you're getting at and why it's important that they do that. And that's all a necessary part of the educational process that goes into quality training. And I'll be honest with you guys, you know, HR, I've not been to a ton of outdoor shooting facilities. I've been to about a handful. HRT is a really, not HRT, I'm sorry, Jesus. Uh, BFR, I keep saying HRT because they're a sponsor. BFR is a great facility. There's a lot that you can access there. We talked about all of that stuff in nauseum, uh, Ryan and I did. And, And Here's the cool part. As a civilian, it's all completely accessible. If you want to come in and shoot, you don't have to necessarily be attached to a larger class organization, right? Now, it's probably going to be a little bit cheaper if you and your friends can split up that cost, but you have that option. You can do that. You don't need, right? You don't need to have the instructor come in and do all these extra things. I mean, I say that within reason, right? If you're trying to do explosive breaching on your own, they're probably going to insist that you have somebody who knows what they're doing, they're present and, you know, able to guide what's going on. But in terms of using their, their distance range and probably even some of the turf ranges, that is a, that's a kind of access we don't always get. And it's really cool hearing that Ryan is there, uh, Ryan and his family, right. That they kind of run this facility. They, they take care of this facility and they maintain it. And even beyond that, that they have plans and goals and ideas for what's, what's next, how do we improve it? And what I really did appreciate truly is that, you know, and we talked about with the road and stuff, but it's an experience being there and that they aren't trying to come in and make this something completely different than what it was. I think that when we talk about the two, a community, how you incorporate that into your actual community is a really big deal. We talked a lot about how they offer off-road courses and off-road trails and things that the local community who has been using that for the last 20 years can still come in there and can still utilize that facility for that purpose. That's That's an additional way to strengthen the relationship you have with the people around you. And maybe even further than that, if it's somebody who had a really good experience there and is willing to drive an hour or an hour and a half to spend a day out there, or maybe two days if it's an overnight event, taking their Jeep out, utilizing some of those trails, doing some rock crawling, if that's what their hobby is. That's a lot of people do that kind of thing. So it, it, it's really cool that it's not just another gun range. It's it's a facility. It's an experience. Uh, and, and truly, I you know, I think... A lot of people have the idea, hey, when are you going to add this? When are you going to add this? When are you going to do this? And probably in some time, but, you know, understand there's more that that goes into it than just what you can imagine. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people, when they look at that facility, go, you probably hired people to come in and do this work. And some of it probably was, but a lot of it you heard Ryan talk about, hey, he was out there grading and leveling for cement to be poured until two in the morning because in four hours... That's when they had the construction crew showing up to actually pour the cement. 
but he was out there doing that work. His family's out there doing the work and he's running the machinery and they're maintaining the property. It's not always, you know, glamorous and it's not always feasible financially to hire someone to maintain that for you. There's a lot of ranges I'm sure that do that. And as a result, course, uh, you know, curriculum costs, course costs, right, are much, much higher at those facilities because you have to offset that additional financial burden. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. You know, a lot of you guys listening, I know we're at the HTA range day and have heard the couple episodes here where we talked at length about our experience. Josh and I did our debrief episode talking about making the trip out there. Hopefully this just kind of adds to everything that you've heard and what you have in your mind knowing about the the range and the facility. And I encourage you guys, you know, Ryan talked about that that drone footage tour that you can take of the facility via the YouTube video. It's about two minutes long. If you're within, I would say, six hours of Templeton, Pennsylvania, I would really encourage you to take a look. Go see what you can do. See if there's a way where you can, you know, get your favorite instructor out there and utilize their facility. It's it's very nice. It really is. Does it have all the amenities of home? Eh, maybe not everything, but it has an awful lot. An awful lot. And like we were talking about, they ran probably nine different courses simultaneously throughout that weekend, and there was no issues. Nobody stepping on toes, no problems having enough space, no problems having the right space. So a lot to be said for the planning and the design of the facility and how they were working all of that stuff out before they opened it up to the public and to agencies and things to come in and utilize the training space. So, uh, thank you so much, you know, to Ryan for being willing to sit down and and share all of that information with all of us as that's really not something you get, you know, you really don't hear the behind the scenes on facilities and, and how to, you know, manage those things and everything that goes into it. I enjoyed that. Uh, it's something that's a very unique opportunity. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, We'll have another guest for you guys next week. I'm very excited uh, as we kind of ramp into the end of the year here. You know, next week we're basically into November. Not even basically. Next week is the end of October and the beginning of November. Fall is officially here. Next week, Tuesday, will be Halloween. And yeah, then we're basically into Thanksgiving season. And I'm pretty sure that means all the Christmas music is going to take over our respective radio stations. So may God help us all because those songs are good about four times a piece and then you're pretty much done. So uh, more on that later though. Uh, Until next time, you guys, like we always say here, get out there, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. (laughs) 